hello and welcome back to a winning edition of the Warriors All 82 podcast. I had to call Tim Kawakami. He loves wins. All I all I do is talk about Warriors wins, except for like the 18 in a row where I talked about Warriors losses last season. But this is not last season. This is a new Warriors season. Hey, they actually already now have more wins than last season. They were 15 and 50 last season. They're 16 and 13 now. There you go. Um, for about 47 minutes tonight, I thought there was no way we were going to be talking about a Warriors win. Uh, you know, no Draymond, no centers. Smiley, he looked good, but he looked pretty good in Orlando, in the Orlando uh, G League bubble. Uh, and then cold Steph Curry, 1-9 in the first half. He one of 6 in the third quarter, so he's entering the fourth quarter 2 of 15 from 3, and they're down 10. He's not going to play the first six minutes. It's over, right? I mean, the game's over. Yeah, although, you know, uh, this is kind of old school Warriors where you're going to, like, no matter what, they can still do something. Like, it wasn't really that way a little bit in the dynasty years, but it wasn't that important game to game. But as they were building this up, there was that, like, okay, they they still could do this. Like, you still got to stay tuned. You still got to, you know... I'll, 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 you know, I'll admit in my head, I thought, oh, maybe this is going to be a terrible podcast because they're going to lose by 30. I actually was thinking that, but I didn't say it. Uh, I didn't slack it to, to Slater. I didn't tweet it because you just never know sometimes with this team. And usually it's with a, like a barrage of Steph threes. That didn't come until the very end. He hits his last two after what going three of 18. Uh, but this team's fought, you know, it's stuck in on the much much criticized second unit fought through it, right? I mean, they were like basically even, uh, and that's a win for the Warriors. You know, you're just assuming they're going to get down ten. If they're if they go into the fourth quarter down, they're going to get into the fourth midway through. They're going to be down by a lot, and they fought through it. And, and I give them credit. And some guys that that haven't been playing great played tremendous. Pascal had a had a hell of a game, and Bazemore was just unbelievable. And and yeah. they got stronger, and they just kept kept them in the game and they played each played the end of the third all the fourth and into overtime and they looked fresher than i thought miami looked tired they really looked and it's like they played a back-to-back which, which it wasn't a back-to-back for them but they looked like they were just dead on their feet there like from about the middle of the fourth quarter all the way through to the end yeah if you were like analyzing this from like a league perspective or let's say you were a national writer that was like i want to write something off this game you're writing about miami i mean they're 11 and 17 now they just lost to a warriors team they shouldn't have lost to and this is the eastern conference champs like they are not in a good place right now i believe they're like 12th in a bad conference right now well i mean Dragic is out i mean we, we we know their issues but they look slow and they look tired and they just weren't getting i mean how many balls did Bazemore just outrun them to and yeah. the Warriors just got the loose ball and go. And this know, is the edge. This is the team with edge. This is the team that does what the Warriors yep. did to better teams typically. Yep. And, you know, Adebayo, he's kind of been crowned a little bit. And, like, don't get me wrong, he had nice <laughs> moments tonight. He clearly had the size advantage. But he's still, like, he should do more. Like, he should have yep. dominated yep. that game no today, question. I thought. No, no. I mean, when he, when he was in there, he just dunked on everybody. He just didn't seem that interested in doing it. I thought he looked tired. 
I, I thought he looks way slower than normal. And you, and you do, you know, you do need to mention the shortened off season, right? We're talking about a Warriors team that remember there was that nine month gap for a team like the Heat. They went to the last day in the bubble, which basically was like three weeks ago, essentially. So uh, there's some of that. But from a Warriors perspective, what I wrote about, I mean, five people mattered in this game, and there were the five closers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned Pascal, who you know was it, it's an interesting game for Pascal because if you go look at his game log early in the season when he had that like eight, nine game stretch of just crazy production as a small ball center. And we thought, wow, they've like discovered his NBA career. He was scoring like 13, 14 a game on like 11 shots in 18 minutes. It was just like, come in, shoot a bunch, you know, go downhill, super high energy. Tonight he plays 32 minutes, by far the most he's played this season, the entire fourth and OT, which you asked her about post game. And he only shot, I believe, five times in 32 minutes only. Four or five, 11 points, important points, big and one down the stretch. Um, There were moments, particularly early, like his first stint was not good. But second half was, he had seven rebounds, which doesn't sound like a ton. But this is a guy who averages, I think, fewer than three rebounds. It's an area of concern with him. So, yeah, I mean, like it wasn't a typical Pascal-type game. where No no Draymond. And they needed him. maybe not you know, Toscana Anderson's greatest game. I thought it was fine, but Kerr obviously had a reason to go with Pascal all the way down the stretch, and they really needed it. I mean, there's just a couple of those baskets. You know, you say, all baskets are the same. No. A couple of his baskets were just huge. He played Adebayo fine. He stayed in front of him. Again, maybe partly that's because Adebayo was slow. And Adebayo still, you know, he still had his points. He still had his assists. Did not have many rebounds. But I, th- I thought Pascal just matched that and then looked stronger and stronger. And we can get to Bazemore, who – game of the year for, for Bazemore. I mean, there's just no question. He just was everywhere. He was on defense. He was deflecting the ball. He was getting rebounds. That tip fouling in, that people. Tip, that, yeah, fouling people at the end. But so it goes. That's just going to happen, I think. Uh, that tip in in overtime was huge. Um just a you know, just a player that I was saying he he outheated the heat. He did he did heat stuff. He just was grit in there, uh, and that's really important for the Warriors. And then when when they're just playing all wings, these wings have to play tough. They they have to play big guys. They have to play Olenek, who was horrendous tonight, by the way. Uh, but they have to be in there with you know, Jimmy Butler's taller than every single. I wrote that. I mean, he, he's taller than every single Warrior who played tonight. So. Guys like Bazemore and Oubre and Wiggins just had to play like power forwards. They had to play like centers. And Bazemore was particularly good tonight. Really, really good. Yeah, he's um, he's fouling about five times for 36 <laughs> minutes, which is the number one wing in the league fouling-wise. I mean, but he, um, he's got to be giving up the most free throws for, for, for 36 minutes. Let well, me. I mean – you look at the per 36 minute fouls and it's, you know, James Wiseman's up there. A bunch of centers are up there, you know, guys who bigs foul more, they're protecting the rim. And then it's like Bazemore is the only small forward in the, in the entire group of like the top 20. Uh, but he has these moments. And in these games, you know, I think a lot of, I think because they were trying to chase the heat down instead of trying to protect the lead. I think that's why Pascal was playing over Toscano Anderson, yep. right? Scoring burst Point. punch. Yeah, and I think, Bazemore fits a game like this. Bazemore, if you think about their comebacks this season, remember the Clippers comeback? Yeah. I'm trying to think about the Lakers comeback again. I can't remember how big a part of it Bazemore was, but I know he was a big part of the Clippers one. Yeah. Um, 
he that that's his type of style, right? It's like high risk, high reward. And if you're down ten in the fourth, you can play high risk, high reward, guys, because you kind of need to get risky with it. And if he is hot, if he does hit four threes as he did tonight, and he just creates you know steals and he's gambling in passing lanes, like you know he's he's a good wild card to have on your bench, particularly when you don't have to rely on him on most nights. Where if he's bad, Bazemore, or if you are protecting the lead, you can just sit him down. Yeah. Um, but he's been their best bench wing lately, much better than Damian Lee. To no be question, honest. no question. You know he's he's. He's a two-way guy who does some crazy stuff on both sides, but they kind of need that, you know. You know, I don't know, I don't know if I'll call him a playmaker, but he can, you know, he can make a play or two, particularly on Steph. that. Yeah, particularly on that left hand side. I don't know if he's going to make a lot on the right hand side, as we saw with that layup, which was unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, Baysmore in that corner, the left corner is pretty dangerous. Like he, he, he's, he, he said he was parking lot pimping in the left corner was is, the term he used. He is too much. He is good. On, he's not so good on the right corner. It's just from anecdotal, but he's really good on that left corner. This is what you just kind of need to fold that in energy. You know, you need to fight through that second unit minutes, which they did. And then you hope that Steph shows up at the end and he didn't show up exactly at the end. He showed up in overtime at the end, but that's what superstars do. They're just like, at some point, you stay close, and that guy's going to carry you to the finish line. And, you know, I, I saw there were a lot of questions about Steph having the unwavering will and, you know, belief in himself. Well, of course, he's like, this is what he was like when he was 25. Okay. We first started asking the questions when he was 21 at Davidson. This is just who he is. He misses 14 shots in a row. He thinks he's going to make his next 14. This is just, that's why he takes those half court shots. He's not afraid of them. He thinks he's going to make those half-court shots at the buzzer. So it's part of being great is believing you're going to make every shot. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you miss most of them. Tonight he missed most of them. He made the last two in, in overtime, and they win the game. You know, Not just because of that, but if they didn't have that, they might not have won. They got Steph Curry. Even in a bad game, you still have Steph Curry. You're always within some amount of reach, and, and the opponent knows it too. 25 NBA players have made 25 or more threes in February. Two of them are on the Warriors. Can you name those two? I think you can get one of them. It'll be Steph Curry. Steph Curry, 56 yeah, one twenty-three. Yes, uh, leading the league and made threes in February. 56 of 123. Well, can you name got, the second? The other one's got to be Wiggins, right? Nope. nope. Wiggins is not having a good shooting month. Okay, he, put, he puts up the most. Fifth, He's 15 of 49. He shot one of his own. He shot the Kelly third most. Kelly Oubre. Kelly Oubre. Kelly Oubre in February is 25 of 54 from three. He is actually, because Steph Curry went five of 20 tonight, he's shooting a better percentage in February from three than Steph Curry. He's got the seventh best three-point percentage of those high-usage uh, NBA players in the month. He's yeah. been a very good three-point shooter for now about ten, nine games. Yeah, I mean, that's um, the normalization of stats. I mean, people always say that, like, that beginning was so bad that the numbers were going to balance out. Somebody, he's a career, what have we said, 32% three-point or whatever it was, and he was 35 last season in, in Phoenix, and the numbers were going to balance out if they just kept playing him. And I think we all thought it was too long. I think we all thought, like, how much longer can you go? I thought it was probably four or five games too long. But Steve Kerr remained patient. Going to write about this tomorrow. This is just who he is. He believes in, as he says, like you, you miss a shot, that's okay. You're going to take another one. Don't miss a block out. You know, don't miss a pass. 
Don't miss a defensive assignment. But if you miss shots, Ubre missed a few of those too. He did miss a few of those, uh, but he does the, other stuff. We know he does. The other talent stuff. is there. Yeah, we know he can finish. We know that he can rebound. We know that he can put pressure on the ball on defense. So you live with you know a, a monumental shooting slump to start the season, and now the numbers are balancing back, and and so this is better than he would normally shoot. This is not what he is. He's not a 46% uh, three-point shooter. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, and so it balances He's at- out. You see what he got at the end of it, but now they're getting the good part of it. And he helps, and he certainly helps when you don't have a power forward because he just basically takes the place of a power forward and just knocks people around a little bit. And, you know, he doesn't get every rebound. But you look and you see when the ball's bouncing around and you think Adebayo should have it. Guess who's knocking away from it? It's, it's, Kel- it's Kelly Oubre. Thirty-one percent from three now okay. uh, for the season, yeah, which okay. is crazy. Like yeah, that's a crazy. quick reversal, you know. As as big a slump as or a hole as he dug himself in early in the season, I would have guessed it would have taken him. Like, even if he shot pretty well the rest of the way, I was like, this is going to take till April to climb back to thirty. I mean, he's at thirty-one. Yeah. Um, you know, he's to the point. I mean, he's done it for a long enough stretch now. Like when he rises up for, you know, he's always open. That's the other, you know, something that must be mentioned. Uh, these are all wide open threes, but when he goes, you know, he went four or seven tonight when he rises up, I feel much differently about the confidence level of it going in yep, than I, I did a month ago. No question. And I'm sure he does too. It was just part of it. Kerr's going to play him with Curry. He's just decided that. He's playing Ubre, And I thought that was a mistake just because I didn't see Draymond and Ubre being real good together. But if Ubre can back cut a couple times a game, uh, and if he can get out of the corner when Steph's running there, which I guess he's doing that now, and if he locks himself in that corner when he should be there and just takes a feet set three-point wide open shot, that helps the Warriors a ton. It helps. I mean, it just... It, it is what they need. It's not Clay Thompson, but just that with everything else that Ubre does, and that makes that starting unit look pretty good. You know, whether you know whether the center is Looney or now it's Descano Anderson, uh, I, I get it. I get what 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 Kerr's doing. It took a long time. It took way long, and I would have put Damian Lee in there myself. But look where Damian Lee is now. You know, and, and there you go. This is why he did not put Damian Lee in the starting lineup. Um, I guess you could make the argument for Bazemore at some point, but Bazemore is good coming off the bench. You know, just somebody who can plug in and give them a different kind of energy. Uh, I give the Warriors credit. I mean, they stuck with them. They they went out and got them. Uh, they might lose that pick now for him, by the way, Slater. I can't believe it, but I am now monitoring this, and they are right on the borderline of losing the protection on that first round pick. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. It's going to depend on the East. Yep. To be honest, I do think as bad as the East is looking right now, uh, you know, in the middle of that conference, you know, Boston's, I think, going to end the you season 10 games over 500, a team like Indianapolis. Like some uh, one, two, three teams will emerge. They'll beat up enough East teams below them, who, which will start tanking, right? Yep. We haven't even got to the point of the year where five East teams just start <laughs> trying to lose every game. So 
if I had to guess, I think they'll protect that pick. It's amazing that we're having to have this discussion, though. I will say I did not think that this would be part of the discussion, even if the Warriors were in seventh place, which they currently are in the West. So, yeah, you know, yeah. you're going to be in seventh place, but there's going to be five East teams ahead of them and possibly way ahead of them, and that's not the case. There's only three East teams ahead of them. And, you know, one of the teams that yeah, we mentioned, Indiana and, and, you know, in the Boston, but the Knicks are like one of those. Like, So they're counting on the Knicks now. It's like this, this the East is just a mess right now. Uh, and well, they're you, like a half game behind the Bucks now, by the way, the Warriors are. It's just like it's incredible. They, they, by the way, they hopped Denver today, uh, yeah, yeah. which we've spent a couple weeks discussing the whole MVP conversation and Jokic is up yeah. there. And part of the reason is like, well, Curry doesn't have the team success. Well, he's got a better record than Nikola Jokic's team right now. Curry's going to be MVP. Warriors are going to lose protection of the pick. Like all these things that we've just said, no way, no way are now in the discussion. It's, it's the NBA. It's just this muddled NBA right now. You have some really, really good teams and you have a lot of teams in the middle and you have some atrocious teams. It's just this, kind of stratified league right now uh i don't think i don't think yet we're going to say the warriors are in the conversation to be able to move up to that elite section but hey they, they go on a run here they get dream on i mean who knows uh they're in this discussion of like hey we'll see how good they are they've deserved that you know they're playing well enough to to, to earn something like they went they, they get to 22 and 15 they're a pretty good team and we'll see if they get there but it's worth a discussion. Yeah. Two of the surprises are in the East that have stunk. Have been, you saw one tonight, Miami. Yep, yep. And then Toronto yep. has a bad, very bad record yep. too. So uh, we'll see. Maybe maybe that balances out at some point. Uh, so Kavon Looney is probably going to come back, it sounds like, maybe the third or fourth game of this upcoming road trip. Wiseman, we should get more official word on Thursday, but he's trending towards that road trip too. Centers are coming back. Draymond, who, by the way, I should mention, missed the game because he came to the arena with a sore right ankle, which surprised them, and they they ruled him out five minutes before tip. It kind of threw everything a whack. They started Michael Mulder in place of Draymond Green, um, and but he's going to be back Friday, they think. And with the centers coming back, you talked to Steve Kerr on your podcast. Like a week from now, what does this rotation look like? You know, both you and I have been throwing around Wiseman as a second unit. I, I asked Kerr about that and didn't sound like that's where he's going to go. He sounded like Looney starting. Wiseman checking in at that six minute mark. Uh, and Pascal was a second unit small ball center and then they figure out who closes from there who closes the half you know and then they just do it again in the third quarter start looney wiseman in that six minute mark in the third quarter finish out the either finish out the half or a quarter or close to it then pascal starts the fourth and then they decide how they finish i just think they're just you know and, and draymond's gonna gonna play some center too you know well, that's my thing is that enough draymond at center you're basically ruling out the first 18 minutes of the half yeah of draymond I, you know i don't think they want to you know again we've seen a lot of it and we know how well steph plays and draymond plays in this situation i don't think they want to go much more than four minutes a half in it and and preferably maybe less than that and maybe they go more but you know i think that'll be determined if they feel good about wiseman Hey, Looney could get hurt. You know, who knows? It doesn't mean that, that, that it's all locked in. But I just think they're generally going. Looney starts. Wiseman comes in. Pascal plays the, the start of the second and the fourth. Then they figure it out from there. Um, that just, you know, that's very Warriors, right? It's very Kerr. And 
they make the adjustment there. I just think he's got in his mind, though, that Looney's the starter. In, in his mind, who's the starting center for the Warriors? It's Kevon Looney and probably going to close with Draymond. And then you kind of fit. And they know they have to get wise in a minute. they got to get wise in a minute. So you can't have a plan where he doesn't get minutes. And Pascal has a game like this. You and I back off of, you know, taking him out of that second unit role. Um, I, I would be intrigued with Wiseman in that group, but you know, Wiseman and Wiggins together, you know, I, I would be kind of intrigued to see how that goes. And you can put Pascal in there too if you wanted. Uh, you don't have to go just all small forwards around Wiseman, but I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to keep Pascal in there for now, uh, and, and they're just going to find Wiseman five minutes and five minutes, and maybe that's it, or maybe they go they go to him again in the second and fourth quarters yeah but uh, you know what I, else? Don't, I don't think they're gonna start james wiseman <laughs> i'll tell you that they are not doing that well it's a, i mean there's a chance he comes back before looney now it might be one or two games my guess would be they probably would just keep starting toscano yep. anderson yep. Bef- and then you know uh, looney eventually takes that spot he's another guy to talk about where you know where does he end up mm-hmm. uh, as this shakes out maybe they start deactivating for him for a few games to save some of the games but he's been an important part of the rotation and then the other there factor to like throw into this mix is this is a different part of the season guys are getting beat up you're seeing Draymond Green with the knee trouble he's had lately he has the ankle which forces him to sit today part of the reason I don't think Pascal's been as effective is like he's clearly had knee problems I mean he's wearing that sleeve every game now the right knee you know swelled up during the road trip after they got on a plane he had to miss two games so you can maybe spot rest Yep. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to give Draymond clearly too many center minutes because it seems to wear him down. And you know, I, I, I definitely could maybe if if Wiseman comes back and starts to look good, they go Pascal, you know, sit a week, get that knee really, really right because they need him with that explosiveness that yep. he just hasn't had in weeks. Yep, no question. And they need, and, and, and you know, that jump shot takes a lot of lift too. So, if he's not feeling good with his legs, that jump shot goes to hell. Um, yeah, I can definitely see that. They, you know, they've got enough bodies when they come back that they can spot. You know, they can definitely rest some guys for a couple games at a time. And I think, you know, Pascal would be one of those guys. Draymond, you know, hey, Draymond, take a couple games off. This has happened before. Uh, you know, the only guy that they can't they can't have missed games is Steph, and he hasn't missed him yet. So. 42 uh, minutes yeah. tonight. For, uh, 40 uh, and he, hey, by the way, Steve Kerr put him back in at 721 mark, not the six minute mark. So uh, I thought that might have, because he saw this was a gettable game. You know, it was, even down 11, I think, when Steph came back in, it was gettable. I mean, you could kind of feel it. Like Miami was not feel, was not playing well. And, you know, they don't have James Harden and they don't have Kevin Durant where you go, okay, we're down 11, forget about it. Jimmy Butler. It was okay, not looking. I mean, triple double, but it wasn't. It was a tough, tough, tough game for him offensively. Uh, this was a winnable game. Kerr went for it, and he played Steph 42 minutes. We'll see what that you know means on the next few games. But I, I think Steph looked fine at the end. So 36 minutes, and then sometimes he plays 38, and then you go into overtime, you play 42, 43. That, I think that's survivable with Steph. I, I think we've talked about that. He's he's in very good physical shape. And hey, now they go you, get some wins. Go get some wins. You know where the Warriors' next game is, right? Friday. Uh, is that not Charlotte? No, it's not Charlotte, is it? No, they play somewhere else before. Uh, where? I'm trying to think. Orlando. Orlando. Okay. Okay. You know what else is in Orlando? Smile Geach. Smile Geach. <laughs> get in a car. He's only like thirty minutes away from the arena. 
You I played mean, one game. That's it. You proved you're worth the NBA. Come on back. Welcome, welcome, arms. I don't know how. I don't know if the NBA would be okay from going from one bubble to basically what they believe is their own. You know, yeah, the, the bubble they're trying to have with the team. Would they allow that and then go right back to the bubble? Give them one NBA game while they need big minutes. I mean, against a bad Magic team, it wouldn't be like. I feel like if the Warriors were allowed to do it, I don't know if they can with all the quarantine protocols. No, he'd have to go back into quarantine and then go back into the other quarantine, probably. So yeah, so no. he should probably keep playing in the G League. But yeah, it's interesting. They're just in the city that the bubble's in. Why don't they in. just get like Jonathan Kaminga for a game or two? I, <laughs> I'd watch that. I'll take Jonathan Kaminga for the next decade. <laughs> By the way, the Wolves lost again tonight. They are, I believe, 7-22. and the worst record in the league. They are the so. worst team in basketball. They are the worst team, and it almost doesn't matter anymore because, like as you've written, like one, two, or three, it's essentially the same. If you're going to get that protection at four or five or six, uh, they're they're going to be one, two, or three, right? I think we can all surmise that they're. Yeah, they're gonna I do. Like, there's going to be a point, you know, like Oklahoma City is like winning more than the organization even wants. <laughs> you know, there's going to be a lot of teams that have in over the next month are like going to actively want to lose, whereas the Wolves don't have that appeal, right? Because they don't have their first round pick. So I could see there's like a stretch of play where they play some of these tanking teams and like Towns has big nights. And like, could so. they uh, escape the bottom three? Maybe, but they're not escaping the bottom like six. No, no I mean, the, the, that one I don't, I'm not watching as closely anymore. And the, the funny thing is, okay, D'Angelo Russell's out. Maybe he's out for a long time. Does that make them better or worse for the, for the record? I don't know. Uh, it seems to have very little effect, uh, I guess, is that's the saddest thing about. You know, whether D'Angelo Russell plays on a bad team or not, it just doesn't seem to matter. Uh, that's bad. The, the Warriors are looking pretty good with that trade, almost no matter how the rest of the season works out. That trade is looking so good, better than I thought. Uh, I didn't mind, you know, the fit of it, that Russell wasn't going to fit. I clearly b- didn't believe that he was part of the future of the Warriors. But I, Wiggins came in, you know, well, you know, whatever. You got rid of Russell, so you got something else. And yeah, that, that pick was the, so important. If you get a good player plus the pick for D'Angelo Russell, wow, that is that is a uh, that is a crowning move for the Bob Myers uh, front office. I think in the last few years, I will be writing about another Bob Myers move. It will be dropping on the site tomorrow because James Wiseman and Lamelo Ball will be meeting for the first time. If Wiseman plays, they play twice in the next seven days or so. Um, just an early checkpoint on, on the decision to take Wiseman over LaMelo. That, yeah. Look for that on the site, and Tim will be writing a column, I believe, off of his Kerr podcast. If you haven't listened to the podcast, TK Show on the, on the app, go find that. Other than that, we will talk to you probably after that Hornets and Warriors game Saturday.